0: You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Just a heads up that today's episode of The Quickie discusses domestic violence, drug use, pregnancy loss and trauma. If any of this is a little too much for you, maybe skip this one and tune back in for our next episode. And remember, if you do need to speak to someone, contact the team at Lifeline. 13, 11, 14. People's parents that shot them up with heroin at 10 years old,
1: like being molested, like you name it, it has happened. And these women
0: know nothing better. That's Annabelle Walker speaking to Mia Friedman on the No Filter podcast. She's talking about some of the women she met while imprisoned in Silverwater Jail for defrauding friends, family, and her employer of tens of thousands of dollars. She says there are many women behind bars right now who shouldn't be, and many academics agree. Today, we look at Australia's female prison population crisis and why so many more women find themselves locked up instead of finding the help they need. Annabelle Walker spent eight months in jail in New South Wales after defrauding her employer and many others of tens of thousands of dollars. She says the time she spent inside has forever changed her.
1: I will never unsee what I saw in there and I will never view the world the same. What we see is bad and what they see is bad are two very different things. And, you know, coming out of jail is huge. You know, walking down the street, I hear a noise and I think there's an officer. I think people are watching. Like, just to adjust is really hard. Imagine doing that when you have a drug addiction or all these people come out and they've got nowhere to go. No wonder they end up back in jail. There's no program to help you prepare for release and there's nothing to follow up other than parole which is not a rehabilitation program.
0: She says while there are some women she met on the inside who she never wants to cross paths with again, she says the majority of them are suffering long before they get to the justice system.
1: The thing that surprised me the most is the grief in there. You couldn't even put pen to paper about what you've seen and heard in there about people's lives, like people's parents that shot them up with heroin at 10 years old, like being molested, like you name it, it has happened. And these women know nothing better or they're in there with their mum and their grandma. You know, there's generations in prison. The loss and the pain that some of these people have felt. You see jail as someone that's gone and robbed someone or someone that's gone and just committed a crime... A lot of these people, it's they know no other way. They're on the street. You know, there's a lot of help for people that are homeless, but a lot of these people are gonna end up on the street. Can't we try and help them before they get to the street?
0: Annabelle says the environment inside a prison can be dangerous to the point of life-threatening. And for many, there are ways to cope that are all too easy to access. I've seen some shocking things in there. There's a lot of drugs in prisons. woman shot up something at eight
1: months pregnant and lost her baby. She'd stayed sober for eight months, got the temptation and she had a stillborn. You know, like, God, you see so much
0: loss in there. The prison population here in Australia is increasing at a concerning rate. While they only make up 8% of the total prison population, the rate at which women and girls are finding themselves locked up increased by 64% between 2009 and 2019. The rate is also increasing amongst the male population, but by a lower percentage at just 45. As has been pointed out on previous episodes of The Quickie, while they make up just 2% of the entire Australian female population, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders are again overrepresented, making up 33% of the female prison population. So why is this trend happening? Why are more women and girls going to jail now than ever before? In 2016, the National Judicial College of Australia and the ANU College of Law held a conference into current issues in sentencing which heard that the vast majority of women prisoners in Australia and internationally have committed minor non-violent offences. Where women have committed serious violent crimes, they're almost always against violent partners, not strangers. This means the profile of female prisoners is very different to that of their male counterparts. Associate Professor in Criminology and the Deputy Director of the Gender and Family Violence Prevention Centre at Monash University, Silky Meyer, says a lot of those crimes can be traced back to a history of serious trauma. In terms
2: of underlying risk or historical trauma, we very often see that across our prison population, like it's a very common feature in juvenile incarceration experiences, adult incarceration experiences, that our prison population in general is disproportionately affected by childhood trauma, mental health issues, self-medication, substance misuse and so forth. When we look at the female prison population, there's obviously a much greater level of violence against women or violence against girls. Very often that starts in childhood and primarily male-perpetrated violence against girls and women that leads to a trajectory that then creates increased risk for offending, poor coping mechanisms, other types of risk factors like dropping out of education, having low employment opportunities and then also often again intersect with adulthood experiences of violence primarily intimate partner violence. So I think when we look at our female prison population, we definitely have a significant proportion of women and some studies would suggest that it's as high as 80% that have a history of male perpetrated either childhood and or adulthood victimisation against women.
0: What kind of crimes are we seeing Australian women locked up for? Is there kind of some major areas where we're seeing women incarcerated?
2: drug-related offending behaviour has always, or I guess, you know, at least for the last couple of decades, been a key driver for female incarceration. And again, very often, and I think this has often been the criticism that we're locking women up for the impact they're suffering out of their childhood and or adulthood experiences of male violence against women. So we very often see that substance misuse that either starts in the teenage years where there's childhood abuse or later in life where there's as intimate partner violence you know whether that starts with prescription medication or alcohol which is our most common misused drug in australia in general as a coping mechanism When there's trauma, when there is mental health issues that are created by trauma and victimisation experiences, very often also in the context of intimate partner violence and coercive control, women not only self-medicate with potentially illicit drugs, but are also often coerced into substance misuse or drug-related crimes. I think the other thing then when we look at the impact of violence against women more broadly, it's often associated with poor mental health outcomes, lower employability, housing instabilities, homelessness, like we know that incarcerated women are disproportionately experiencing homelessness and rough sleeping prior to entering prison. So these are all things that I guess, you know, they intersect with their experiences of victimization, but they also create an increasing risk for criminal activity, where criminal activity is often related to survival, substance misuse. I think we've had good intentions with getting tough on policing domestic violence, changing bail laws around violent offending that was primarily targeted at men using violence. But I guess on the flip side, unfortunately, we've now criminalized women for behaviors where either they engage in self-defense in the context of domestic violence, Or they have partners or ex-partners who know how to work the system. And so when police gets called out, she might be upset and appear to be hysterical. He presents really well. The police is unsure and either puts an order on both people or puts an order on her only. So there's a whole lot of concerns around misidentification of women who are the primary victim, who get labelled the primary aggressor in the context of domestic violence. And because we've called for tougher policies and legislations on dealing with domestic violence offenders, it's on the flip side punished women that get misidentified or in the context where you have women that actually use violence either to deflect because otherwise children are at risk or in retaliation, or in self-defense, or in anticipation of more violence being directed at them. The police response then, when police are unsure, means we criminalize women for their underlying victimization experiences. And I think that's been highly problematic, and which is why we've seen an increasing number of women being incarcerated for domestic violence offenses, primarily breaches of protection orders.
0: Repeated studies have found that at least 85% of women prisoners in Australia are victims of abuse, with most having experienced multiple forms and incidents of violence. Advocates believe that figure could be even higher, with the Sisters Inside survey finding that 98% of women prisoners in Queensland reported being a past victim of violence. Sisters Inside CEO Debbie Kilroy reported that in Queensland, independent surveys of women prisoners found that up to 89% had been sexually abused and up to 85% had experienced childhood sexual abuse. These findings are consistent with independent studies of women prisoners in other states and territories and replicated right around the world. Debbie has first-hand experience of how brutal Australia's system of deciding who goes to prison and who doesn't can be. When she was first incarcerated, she'd not been convicted of any crime and was told it was for her own good. She says public misconception and poverty are leading factors driving the high levels of female incarceration, for often minor offences, saying about 40% of the women in prison in Queensland are on remand, meaning they haven't even been tried for their alleged crime, usually due to homelessness or untreated health issues. Pauline Wright, a lawyer, President of the New South Wales Council for Civil Liberties and the former President of the Law Council of Australia, says there have been many changes to laws and legislation out of Canberra that were meant to make the system stronger but have unfortunately made it worse for women.
3: There's greater policing. There's more funding for police and there's more investigations. Therefore, there's more people getting charged. The bail laws are another one. The bail laws have been tightened up so that it's much harder to get bail, which means that while you're waiting for your trial, then you may not get bail. So you may have to wait in jail for your trial date. When that happens, you find that the numbers in jails just skyrocket. And that does affect women. Where you are homeless with few contacts or community ties, your likelihood of getting bail is reduced and a lot of women who find themselves in difficult situations such as if they've left home because of domestic violence or something like that, find themselves homeless. So the factors that are taken into account in granting bail can go against them.
0: What about mandatory sentencing? We know that that was brought in to try and make sure that those people who've committed certain crimes spend enough time in jail to pay for that crime. Has it had an adverse effect on some women in the prison population?
3: It certainly has. The biggest impact it's had has been on Aboriginal people. It means that there's no discretion by the magistrate or the judge who's dealing with the case. In the past, where factors like what's the impact going to be on the children of this woman who I'm dealing with, what's the impact of that if I send them to jail, those sorts of factors can't be given as much weight as where the magistrate or judge has the full discretion to decide what's an appropriate penalty under the circumstances. That does reduce the chances of women being given a non custodial penalty when you've got mandatory sentencing. Outcomes. It means that people are being sent to jail more often and when they do go to jail, it's for longer.
0: Many women are the primary carers of their children. But as Pauline mentioned, bail laws and mandatory sentencing have seen judges unable to take that situation into account. As of 2019, 45,000 Aussie kids had at least one parent in prison and an estimated 75,000 had experienced parental incarceration during their childhood. This forces many children into the care system, where they then also become more susceptible to abuse and poorer health and education outcomes, fueling the cycle of disadvantage, violence and then crime. Women living with disabilities are also at greater risk of being sent to prison, and many incarcerated women live with head injuries that were a direct result of the domestic violence they suffered. Communication barriers due to problems with language as a result of disability, lack of education, or coming from a culturally or linguistically diverse background also makes many women more vulnerable. It's also estimated there are up to 400 trans and gender diverse prisoners in Australia. In some states, there are laws that state if you identify as a gender, that is the prison you'll be sent to. But not all states and territories have those laws in place, which means some trans women find themselves locked up in men's prisons. Those women often spend long periods in isolation as the jail doesn't know how to handle the situation. They're more likely to be physically or sexually assaulted and not just by inmates. Even with all of this evidence, we still don't have a full picture of just how much a role violence and trauma plays in the crimes committed by women. That's because numerous reports have concluded that women often don't admit to having been the subject of any kind of abuse for a multitude of reasons, including fear of reprisal, embarrassment or shame. The rates of female imprisonment have been positively impacted slightly by the pandemic. The ABS reports that between 30 June 2019 and 30 June 2020, the incarceration rate decreased by 5% overall, and for women specifically, it went down by 10%. But slowing the increasing rate of women going to jail doesn't mean they're suffering any less. Last year, 56 women were killed by violence in Australia. Chief Executive of Women's Safety New South Wales Hayley Foster said 2020 will be remembered as the worst year for domestic violence that anyone in the sector has ever experienced. There were so many more strangulation cases, so many threats to kill, so many more serious head injuries, and sexual assaults went through the roof. The pandemic within a pandemic, as it's referred to by those in the domestic violence prevention space, happened despite the federal government announcing $150 million in additional domestic violence funding, the money still not enough to meet the demand experienced by support services. So will this mean that decline in incarceration numbers will reverse once the pandemic is over? Well, that's a very real possibility. So what can we do about it? Pauline says the justice system has to change.
3: Mandatory sentencing in all its forms should be abolished. It is inherently unjust because the only just system is one where the magistrate or the judge who hears all of the circumstances of the particular person who is appearing in front of them can make a decision about what's a fair punishment to that person in those particular circumstances, where Parliament tries to do that from Parliament House for classes of people. They inevitably cause injustice.
0: Silky says we need to start realising that this isn't something one government can just fix by throwing money at it, that the change needs to start at a community level to prevent women ending up in these positions and that will take time and hard work.
2: There needs to be a whole different approach to how we give opportunities for community-led and self-determined ways of prevention to strengthening families more broadly, but in particular Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander girls' and women's experiences and life trajectories. It's a combination of primary prevention and I think we see way too little in that because it means a long-term commitment and most of our interventions are government cycle focused. People commit to what's the foreseeable future and the foreseeable financial investment rather than saying, okay, it's going to be a long haul, it's going to be two generations but we have an opportunity to do something with early interventions in families, supporting parents where there's potential risk, supporting parents or families where we know there is social marginalisation, lack of opportunities, social exclusion, risky parenting behaviours. And I think also once it comes to offending, there need to be more therapeutic interventions that are person-centered that look at what are the underlying drivers of the offending behavior and if we intervened with wraparound support around let's say mental health and substance misuse do we have other opportunities like could we interrupt offending trajectories by doing something that is community based as opposed to saying okay we need to punish because we have an expectation around punishment for wrongdoing.
0: That's the quickie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. Mamma Mia
1: acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation.